Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, a show where we interview experts about how to move up the corporate ladder. And today we're talking about some factors that you should weigh when defining your dream job. And joining us to talk about that is Skip Freeman, CEO of hire to win and author of Career Stalled, How to Get Your Career Back in High Gear and Land the Job You Deserve. So when you ask most people what their dream job is, what do they generally say in response? Every day, Katie, we're asking people that question. And it's funny. As a recruiting firm, we go out, we're looking for top talent to share with them, you know, opportunities that may take them to the next level. And in turn, could their skills fill our client's need and take our client to the next level? And so a lot of times we'll say, if you could have an opportunity that's significantly stronger than what you're doing today, i.e. your dream job, what might that look like? And it's funny, 80, 90% of, of the people we talk to every single day go, wow, I don't know. And so we we kind of probe a little bit, and usually the first level of conversation is, I would say, almost three fourths of the people. Once we probe a little bit, are going to say, "Well, it's a place where I feel appreciated, a place where my opinions are valued, and and where I have a certain degree of autonomy, and I'm not micromanaged." And I want to pause right there because I think that's very important because. Hiring managers need to hear that, that if 75% of the people we talk to every single day say, I want a place where I'm appreciated, my opinions are valued, I have autonomy and not micromanage, that's a message these hiring managers need to clearly hear because obviously that's happening all too often. Mm -hmm. So then we probe a little deeper. And a lot of times, maybe a next question we ask is, what gets you excited about getting up out of bed on Monday mornings and going to work? And all too many people go, not much. And maybe that's sad. Mm -hmm, And and so one of the things I'd like to share here is that we are now in the best job market since 2006. Just last week, the job opening and labor turnover survey comes out from the BLS. It always follows the employment numbers. And for the first time since 06, the number of open jobs is equal to what we had back in 06. So we're in the best job market now in eight years. So this is now a prime opportunity for people to begin to basically, for their career, put a whiteboard out there, a white piece of paper, take some colored pens and pencils, and begin to to frame out what their dream job might look like. And we can talk about some of those components here as we go forward. So when you're asking these questions and people just aren't sure, I'm sure you get some really generic things where people are like, I want more money, I get a title promotion, or, you know, I would get more responsibility, or, you know, you mentioned the appreciation portion of it. How often do you get those really general things? And how much talking with these individuals does it take to really get them to realize what they should be considering when they're looking to find their dream job? On day one, usually, um, again, when people have not thought much about it, the day one type of questions when we, they know we're a recruiter that they'll ask about a job is what's it pay, where is it located, and what will I do? Mm-hmm. And if we can't get them beyond that, they're probably not the quality of candidate our client wants to, to hire anyway. 
But once we can get them kind of past that, I would say kind of uh, day 365 type of questions we can get them to ask. In other words, yeah, on day one, you do want to know what it's going to pay, where is it located, what will I do? But 365 days from now, a year down into it, what's really going to be impactful and meaningful to you? And these are the five things that really begin to make a person feel that they have a career and not just a job. And number one is, will I enjoy working with or for my boss? We find generally, unless there is a compelling reason for somebody to have to leave an opportunity, like maybe they got to move somewhere because of an uh, ailing parent or, right. or something like that, the number one reason people will leave companies is because of their boss. People don't leave companies, they leave people. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest factors is, will I enjoy working with and for my boss? Number two, will I enjoy the actual work that I do? Number three, will I feel challenged? Number four, can I make a contribution? And number five, if I do make that contribution, can I advance in my career, which includes more challenging work and increased income potential? So that all kind of summarizes down into uh, a recently MRI network, a network of about 3,000 recruiters. They do a semi-annual survey. And right now, the number one reason people are making a job move, 49% of the people that make a job move right now, a career move, is they're looking for greater opportunities for advancement. Better compensation and benefits falls down to 23%. And then improved work-life balance, 12% of the people that are making moves right now are looking for that, 10% for more challenging work, and 6% are looking for new opportunities for a better fit with their skill set or experience. So the bottom line is, these things we just talked about, will I enjoy the work? Will I feel challenged? Can I make a contribution? And if I make that, will I get rewarded and recognized for it? All sums up into greater opportunities for advancement. So I think as people begin to think about what their dream job is, one, they have to understand what impact can I have on an organization? How can I define that and prove to an organization I can do that? And then will that organization allow me to advance if I demonstrate that? It's an exercise. Not too many people engage in that kind of of emotional and intellectual dialogue with themselves until they get into hot water until all of a sudden they go, oops, I don't like it here. Or oops, we may get bought out or downsized. Are you know? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been doing the same thing for three years and nothing's happening. So that's my point is that people need to engage in this thought process much earlier. Now, these are really important things to consider when you're looking at a job and you're kind of considering, is this going to help me advance my career? But you have to look beyond just the job and at that narrow scope of just a job, you have to look at the company itself. And some of the factors that you might need to consider with that company would be the company's size, its culture, and you know the tempo of the company. If, are they a fast-paced company that gets things done quickly, or are they kind of more slow and they have more of a bureaucratic process of getting things done? So what could you add to that as far as really considering these things when you're looking at both a dream job and a dream company to work at? Great question. I think a lot of times you're not going to know if that company is a dream company or not. So what you got to do is three things. Number one, I tell everybody, look on glassdoor.com. Number two, 
find some people on LinkedIn who work at that company and just shoot them an email or pick up the phone and call them and ask them, I'm uh, considering evaluating an opportunity at your company and just was wondering if you might have three to four minutes to share with me what your feelings are about that company. Some people need to do their due diligence, make some connections, actually what we call in the recruiting industry, putt, P-U-T-T, pick up the telephone (laughs) and make a phone call and have a human interaction with two or three people at that company. That's the best way. All right. Those are some good suggestions. And do you think that this is something you can kind of you know, ask about in an interview if you do get one, whether that be over the phone or in person, just to get a, a feel for what those things are going to be like? You can. The, uh, the interview process, you're going to get a lot of insight yourself on how that interview process relates to the culture of the company. Are people warm and friendly? Is it a dialogue in the interview versus an interrogation? How quickly is the follow-up and feedback? You go into a company, you have a great interview. They say, hey, it went well. We'd like to take you to the next step. And then it's 21 days before you hear anything. But then you can begin to think, well, slow, bureaucratic, slow mm-hmm. pace. Again, if that fits your style, that's fine. But uh, a lot of times the character of the interview process tells you the character of the company. Right. Those are all good things to consider. And I think those are things that when you're you know, job hunting and you're doing this, you don't necessarily think about, oh, that really took a long time, or oh, that was really quick. I didn't expect that. And that's right. A lot of people don't because the hiring process in so many companies still is too long because of old habits from the recession. We're actually, and this is important for everybody who's looking for an opportunity to understand, we are now in what's called a candidate-driven market, meaning that there are more open positions than there are qualified people to fill them. So actually, if candidates can quantify what they want, define their value, we're in a candidate-driven market and the candidates are gaining the upper hand now. Good to know, especially for those candidates out there. And speaking of candidates being in charge, one of the things that they really should consider is that company's financial stability and their that company's competitive position with the industry because you want to go somewhere that is going places. You don't want to stay somewhere that's stagnant or maybe on the decline. So what are your suggestions for kind of analyzing that when you're considering a company? In this now 2015 economy, there's no reason somebody should be with or go with a company that's in economic difficulty. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a privately held company, that might be a little bit tougher to analyze. And, And that's where you go You may never see the numbers. You go in an interview and and sometimes they will inflate the numbers. That's where you got, again, just talk to some people in the company. And I think you can generally hear in the tone of their voice and what have you, where they feel their company is in terms of stability, where they feel their company is in terms of competitive edge. Are they excited about the product offering or solutions or what they're doing? Or do you hear in their voice just pain and agony, if you will? (laughs) So again, a lot of times it's that phone call and listening that can tell you, you know, publicly traded companies, it's easy, but the privately held ones, a lot of times you don't know, you got to make the phone call and assess on tonality of two or three people. So what I'm understanding and kind of hearing from what you're saying is that you really just have to put your nerves aside that you're in a job interview and really be analytical about them and watch them and 
you know, really keep an eye out for the nonverbal cues that the interviewer is giving you and, you know, what their voice sounds like and things like that. Absolutely. It comes down to both intellect and emotions. You got to logically think through everything, but then you got to connect emotionally with people. Some people don't agree with me on this, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, at the end of the day, it still is in your gut. You're going to have right there, right above your stomach and below your sternum, you're going to have a feel and flavor for if this is the right thing. So I encourage people to listen to their gut, but overlay that with a filter of intellectual curiosity and facts to the degree they can find out the facts and combine the two. So don't make a decision based totally on facts or totally on emotion, but you truly got to combine the two. And generally, if you can do that, you've made a good decision. Now, we've talked about a lot of things today, and this can be a challenging thing. You touched on this earlier, you know, when we were first starting to talk, that this can be a challenging thing to do, to really just take a look at yourself and figure out what you want with longevity in mind, you know, 365 days in. So what are some of the biggest challenges that people face when they're really trying to define what their dream job is? I think the first biggest challenge is, one, people talk to me all the time, well, I don't really have time to do that between uh, work itself, (laughs) my current job, family, I, I don't have the time. Well, what can help one alleviate that time factor is to, is to have a guide, to mm-hmm. have a plan such as uh, our publication, Career Stalled, which will outline all the steps one needs to take to accomplish that. So if we can eliminate, I don't have the time factor, then the second thing people need to do is lay out a marketing plan using the four P's of marketing, product, place, price, and promotion. What's the product? Well, it's me. Mm -hmm. What's the value I can bring? So they need to think about their candidacy in terms of a product and its offering. Place, who do I want to work for? Where do I want to work? Price, what's actually my competitive value in the marketplace? We all think we're worth more than maybe we really are. Companies put a value on us. So go to salary.com and other resources like that to determine realistically what your value and price point is in the marketplace. And finally, promotion. How do I proactively promote my candidacy? So my advice to people and the biggest hurdle is number one, time. I don't have time. So our plan is put the pieces together in terms of the four P's of marketing, and you will then be able to generally find that next step in your career that makes you get up on Monday morning with your feet hitting the floor saying, hey, you know, this is good. You know, I want to back up and just touch on something that you briefly mentioned, and that was a book titled Career Stalled. Can you tell us a little bit more about that publication and why that would be a really great resource? So many people coming out of the recession have found themselves obviously unemployed or to this day underemployed. So Career Stalled, we just released. It's a guide. It's a plan to help people get their career back in high gear and land the job that they deserve. And this is actually a sequel to Headhunter Hiring Secrets, which is teaching people how to go out and look for that next step in their career and market themselves like a headhunter would market them. When, when I'm in the marketplace and I'm aggressively marketing candidates, I put together a book that 
basically takes our techniques as headhunters and teaches people how to use our skills for themselves. Most people sit behind a computer and apply away to jobs, six, seven, eight hundred, going into the black hole, wondering why they never hear. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we do as headhunters. So th- those are the, the two publications, how to market yourself like a headhunter would followed by Career Stalled, which is how to put your plan together and land that dream job. Now, we're up against the clock today, but I want to give you a minute here at the end to share a final message with our listeners. And, you know, whether that be a piece of advice, some final tips, just so they know and get a sense of, you know, what things they should be considering when defining their dream job. Let's make this short. Point one is people need to understand that companies are not in the business of hiring people. Companies are in the business of making money, period. Number two, therefore, you as a candidate need to think of yourself in terms of how do I make a company money? What skills, experiences do I have that have impacted the companies I've worked for in the, fa- in the past or and or can impact the companies I'm going after? All too t- many times, People going into a job search and into an interview are thinking in terms of what's in it for me. We have to couch our value in terms of the economic impact we can have on that company. And that would be the biggest piece of advice I could offer anybody. And with that final piece of advice, we'll wrap up today's show of Moving Up the Ladder. We've been speaking with Skip Freeman, CEO at hire to win and author of Career Stalled, How to Get Your Career Back in High Gear and Land the Job You Deserve. And if you're looking to find more employment-related shows like this one, head over to lgnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, shoot our team an email at lgnradio at localjobnetwork.com or send us a tweet at the LJN. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with your career. 